Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. The last verse of Hebrews chapter 1. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Hebrews 1 verse 14. Our text speaks of angels. In verse 13 we read, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits? It is the angels that are spoken of here as ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. And upon my spirit this morning is to speak of the ministry of angels, not in a great depth, but to bring before us this aspect of a spirit world. The aspect sometimes we might completely overlook, though it runs right through the scriptures. We deal with principality and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, but also spiritual hosts, heavenly hosts, God's host, that minister to his people and to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are several things to be first attended to in the word that is before us as a text. And the first thing is this, the context that is set before us is that of Christ, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, being more superior to angels. The book of Hebrews especially dwells on this theme, how that Christ is superior to angels, to men, to the high priest. He is the great high priest, superior to the Old Testament high priest. His sacrifice, his blood, superior to the blood of bulls and of goats, however many thousands there were that were shed. He is superior in every way. And this is the aim of Hebrews. And here, in the very first chapter, is speaking of our Lord being more superior than of angels. And so he says in verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And so our Lord is uh, seen as so much higher than the angels. He reminds us in verse 5 that it was not to the angels but unto the Son of God uh, that is set forth in the psalm, Psalm 2. Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Or in the verse just before our text, Psalm 110 and verse 1, 
Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The scriptures speak in prophecy concerning our Lord. They don't speak in prophecy concerning any angel or to that heavenly host. It speaks of them. It speaks of them as ministering spirits, as the heavenly host, as being very real uh, heavenly hosts and ones that uh, are very much a part of God's creation and God's plan. But may we have as the first thing to really consider here that which does extol and lift up our Lord above that great and that heavenly host. And we think of being brought to glory and seeing those angels and yet there is the Lord above them. So many uh, thousands and thousands of angels but our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ extolled way above that heavenly host. So much then through this book our Lord and Saviour is being lifted up, is being extolled, is being worshipped and here he is as compared unto angels. May we ever have those high views of our Lord and Saviour. He who was made flesh and dwelt among us. He who willingly made himself of no reputation and who then was exalted and at the Father's right hand. We thank God for that sacrifice that was offered at Calvary and the precious blood that was shed there, prophesied from the beginning of the world that he should bruise the serpent's head, that great fallen angel, and that he should bring about a deliverance from death and the deliverance of his people, and that he should bear their sin in his own body, and that he should pay the price and the debt that they owed, and that he should give them his righteousness and fit them to be with this holy, holy, angelic host in heaven. We are told without holiness no man shall see the Lord, no man shall be part of that company, that heavenly company that is not washed and cleansed and made me to be part of him. And so the first thing is our Lord and Saviour here that is lifted up. Now we would be mindful as through the scriptures the appearance of angels sometimes is not a created angel but is actually our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We have the first instance of this in uh, Genesis 18 where uh, there appeared unto Abraham as he sat in the tent door at the heat of the day, three men, and three men stood by him. And we are told uh, that they were uh, viewed by Abraham as, as men. There was three men. But then we have when 
Abraham is told that he shall have a son and at the time of life that the Lord would appear uh, for them and the promised seed would be uh, born, that is uh, Isaac. And uh, then we read that the man rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And in verse 22 we read, The men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord. Then we have, if we uh, turn to the 19th chapter in the first verse, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Sodom sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And they appeared again to those of Sodom as men. We read that they uh, say in verse 5, And they called unto Lot, that is, the men of the city, and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? So angels are appearing as men. Our Lord and Saviour is one of his pre-incarnation appearances, is also appearing as a man, and then remaining and speaking with Abraham. So there are those times that uh, in the Old Testament uh, we have our Lord appearing. The word angel is used, but it is the angel of the new covenant. We think of how it was with uh, Jacob. There wrestled a man with him unto the breaking of the day. And in the uh, prophecies he is speaking of they wrestled he wrestled with the angel but the blessing that he had was his name changed from Jacob to Israel and the reason for it was that he had wrestled with God and with man and had prevailed that was another pre-incarnation appearance of our Lord so it was also with Gideon in the book of Judges and Manoah again in Judges, Manoah and his wife, the parents of Samson, the angels that appeared to them, how they acted, how they rose in the flame, the sacrifices that were offered unto the Lord, and they were very mindful that they had seen the Lord. That's why they felt that they would die. But our Lord and Saviour may be viewed and not die. So we have those appearances. We have another appearance also to Balaam where the angel met with Balaam. Know how that uh, Moab, the king of Moab, he uh, called the soothsayer uh, Balaam out of uh, Moab to come and to curse the children of Israel and 
the Lord forbade him to go first, but then he, he wanted to go, and the Lord gave him permission, but then stood against him in the way with a drawn sword in his hand and uh, told him how he was angry with him for going, uh, but it was what he said, especially the angel said to him in Numbers 22 and verse 20, where we have, And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. Yet the word that I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And so that was the word of the Lord. And then when uh, he was on the ass, we read that the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way, in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. And it is then the angel of the Lord that is speaking to him. And so then in verse 35, we have the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that shalt thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And so when we read that it is the Lord that is to speak to him, it is the words, Lord's word that he is to speak, we know that that is another pre-incarnation appearance of our Lord uh, upon the earth. And so we have uh, those appearances where uh, it may appear first that it is a created angel, but then we, we realise from the context and what is said that it is our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so in our text there is this very clear distinction between a created angel and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just another angel. He is very distinct. He is the eternal Son of God. He is the uh, second person in the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He is equal with the Father and with the Spirit, one God in three distinct persons. And so the aim here first is to exalt our Lord above a created angel. He is the eternal God and the angels were created by him as well. The second thing to to notice here is those that are the heirs of salvation. Who shall be heirs of salvation? In one sense, God's children, those that were given by the Father to the Son to redeem, those that are chosen in him from the foundation of the world, they are already the heirs of salvation because they are a chosen people. The way that the text is spoken of here is not 
sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation, but who shall be heirs of salvation. And in one sense it highlights to us that God's dear children are known unto him before they know him in their unregeneracy, when they are walking without God in the world, they're not asking for his protection, for his care, and yet he gives it them. And some of us, we can look back to our unregeneracy when we were just the same and appeared just the same as any of the fallen sons of Adam and to see those specific times when the Lord preserved our life, watched over us and kept us. And yet we may say that those heirs of salvation, before they're called and after they're called, they shall enter into that salvation in heaven. So in that respect, it is a ministering to those who one day will be in heaven above. One day they shall be saved from hell and saved to heaven and really we, we could put it in this way, these ministering spirits, these angels, are ministering to God's people. They're specially watching over and ministering and helping them uh, as they are in this world. They are not on their own. They have those heavenly helpers. The important thing for us is that we truly have that evidence that we are heirs of salvation. And don't just take it for granted. Don't just think, well, it'll be all right for me. When I die, I will go to heaven. I'm one of the Lord's people. Make sure that we have a real scriptural warrant for that. The Apostle says that our conversation is in heaven or our citizenship is in heaven. And that gives us, when we have a citizenship of a country, many privileges. And even though we might not be living, actually living in that country of which we have a citizenship, we can exercise those privileges of citizenship even in that country, even if we were the other side of the world, then we can exercise uh, that citizenship. Those that are British citizens, if they get into trouble in some other nation, then they may go to the uh, British embassy, they may seek help uh, from their country, which they are a citizen. Uh, those that are the uh, citizen of Australia, even if they are living in England, they can exercise their rights to many things in Australia that someone who was not a citizen or born there could not do. And so God's children, though they are not in heaven, though they are not there yet, yet as being citizens of that place, they have every benefit of the protection of heaven, of those things that afford them the 
hopes and expectations of being where they truly are a citizen of. And so we may ask, are we truly an heir of salvation? If we are, our Lord who is exalted in this passage and compared here with angels, exalted above angels, he will be exalted in our hearts and in our lives. Unto you which believe, he is precious. He is the one thing needful and that will be a real mark of our evidence of being an heir of salvation is what the Lord Jesus Christ is to us. One of the hymn writers says, I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. And the comparison here with angels, we may compare our Lord then with anything upon this earth. Is he more to us, more to us than this earth, than our loved ones, than the pleasures of sin for a season? Moses, it was said, chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The third thing I notice here is this provision of these angels. They are sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Sent forth by God. I always remember that every blessing comes to us from above. Our Lord Jesus Christ was sent from heaven to this earth. Every command of what happens in this world, if we read in the Revelation and the opening of the seals and all that is being done, the and I speak with reverence in this, the control centre is in heaven. There is not a remote uh, control that is going on here below that is governing the affairs of this world and especially the lives and experiences of God's children. It comes from heaven itself. That which is a real work, I mean. Our Lord spoke of those who laid claim to heaven and wanted the Lord to open to them. But he said, Depart from me, I never knew you, all ye that work iniquity. He didn't know about them. But the Lord, the kingdom of God, standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And because he knows them, then he sends forth from heaven those spirits, those angels, to help them, to strengthen them, to be with them, and to be a blessing to them. He sends every blessing from heaven. We think of our Lord testifying when he ascended into heaven, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, which shall abide with you forever. Tarry at Jerusalem, till you be endued with power from on high. And we get uh, the uh, real picture of our Lord in heaven appearing in the presence of God for us 
as an advocate with the Father. And when he speaks for his people, he speaks with power and able to help us, able to do exceeding afar above all that we can ask or think. Our Lord then is exalted here. The heirs of salvation are mentioned, are set forth here, which we need to make great diligence that we are part and amongst them. And the blessings from heaven, and especially conveyed in this way, through these ministering spirits, is set forth before us in this verse as well. Well, I want to look then at some of those times when are uh, very marked in the scriptures where the angels have been used. I want to notice first concerning our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We would remember that it was the angels that appeared to Joseph first when he found out that his wife was with child, mindful to put her away. It was an angel that appeared to him and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." It was uh, an angel then that appeared to Mary and told her uh, that the Holy Spirit should overshadow her and that she should bring forth our Lord Jesus Christ. Before that, it was an angel that appeared to Zacharias, John Baptist's father, as he ministered in the temple and gave the notice of John Baptist being born. Angels was used in those most important times of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when he came, it was the angels that appeared to the shepherds and heralded his birth in the heavens. The message of his coming uh, was given in that authoritative way in in. The Gospel, uh, according to Luke, uh, we have it in in chapter uh, 2, and the uh, shepherds viewed the heavenly host must have been in some ways a, a terrifying sight because the angel first said to them, Fear not. And we read in verse 9 of chapter 2, and though the angel of the Lord came upon them, that is the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, that is Jew and Gentile, every nation. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Saviour which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. 
And then we read that it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. Then the shepherd says, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass. Those important events of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, it was angels that heralded them. The record of what they said is in the holy, inspired word of God. I hope it will serve to us in considering a few of these things to be mindful of that unseen world, a spirit world, a real world, a world where there are the angels that are sent from heaven to minister to the church, to men here below. And so we have then with our Lord Jesus Christ in his temptations, that which is uh, set before us in the word, perhaps if we first just look at it in, in, in Luke 4 and verse 10, we have the temptation of Satan and how he tempts our Lord. He brings him to Jerusalem, sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. A quote from Psalm 91 and verse 11. And Satan is using that, not questioning the angels, but using it as a temptation. We read, Our Lord answered him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then Satan, he departed from him, for a season. That's how it is recorded in Luke. But if we then see in, in, in Matthew, then we read of the ministering of angels to our Lord. Then in verse 11, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Matthew 4:11. And so there our Lord himself was ministered unto by the angels while he was here below. We read the same again in Luke 22 when it comes to the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ and especially when the sins of his people were laid upon him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Luke 22 and uh, verse 42, he prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
the angels ministered to him in that way. When Peter was bringing the sword and the Lord said to him, Put up thy sword within its sheath. The cup that my father hath given me to drink, shall I not drink it? And then he refers to that heavenly host again. Thinkest thou not that I could not pray my father, and he would presently give me twelve legion of angels. Seventy-two thousand angels could be had if the Lord prayed his father for them. Those helps were there, the strength was there. And so we have a little glimpse first of the angels heralding Christ's birth, ministering to him at his temptations, ministering to him as his people's sins were laid upon him and strengthening him, but not sparing him from the cross from the offering that he was to offer to put away his people's sin. Then I'd like to notice the angels as observers. As observers. They observed the church of God. They are witnesses of what is going on. Now, in one sense, we need to make a distinction here when we're thinking of the church of God. In the Revelation, and we have the vision of the candlestick and the Lord in the midst of the candlesticks. And we have stars, and the stars are in the hand of the Lord. And... The interpretation was that the candlesticks, the seven candlesticks were the seven churches in Asia and the stars were the angels of those churches. And what is meant there is that they were the pastors of the churches. But the pastors are not those angelic angels, they are men, they are pastors. They're spoken of in that place as ministering to the church, so over the church. But when we think then of the church of God, in Hebrews it speaks about instead of coming to Mount Sinai as a mount that might be touched, that smoked with fire and tempest, and so great was the sight that even Moses feared and uh, trembled, but you come unto Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now we know that coming into heaven, it is to an innumerable company of angels. But the context there in Hebrews 12 is the church of God in a gospel state. And so, though they are not seen, yet the angels are about the church of God, the people of God, a heavenly host. You might say, but we cannot see them, but neither could Elisha's servant when uh, the Assyrians were round about the mount. And he said, Alas, Master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they with them. And he prayed, Lord, open the young man's eyes. 
And he opened his eyes and round about uh, them were chariots and horses of fire. He couldn't see them until his eyes were open to see. Remember years ago, uh, dear sister in faith, now in glory, uh, living, she lived in Australia and she'd been bereaved twice and I spoke to her and she lived in quite an isolated area and I said to her, are you not frightened to live in this lonely place? You haven't got people anywhere near you to help you if you had need. And she said, I was once. But then the Lord showed me that portion of the chariots of fire and horses of fire round about Elisha. And she said, I know that that is the case with me and I haven't been frightened or fearful since. And the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that feareth him and delivereth them. We cannot see that heavenly host, but it is a protecting care. And we look at that in a moment. But first I want to notice those observers that are observing and looking. In Luke 15, we have the parables, three of them, uh, that speak concerning repentance and how vital that is. Changing. Repentance and remission of sins are always joined together. Wherever our sins are forgiven, there will be repentance. There will be sorrow for those sins. There will be a seeking to forsake those sins, to be mourning over those sins. Is our attitude towards those sins, even besetting sins. We have no power against them, but to repent is to seek to forsake and to, to hate those sins. Well, we have our Lord saying in one of those parables uh, how uh, that there was joy in heaven uh, over, or joy amongst the angels. In verse 10, Likewise I uh, say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. What an amazing thing to view a sinner that is repenting is sorrow for their sins and there in the presence of the angels of God there is joy. They are joying because the Lord has given that soul repentance and they have repented. It is the work of God, it is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and they are viewing it, and they are joyful in it. And may that also be our joy, as we see men, women, children repenting and turning unto the Lord. And may it be as well an encouragement and incentive to us in our repentings, there is joy in heaven. We think also of how it's set forth by the Apostle Paul uh, to the Corinthians when he is teaching about headship in the Church of God. It is a subject really on its own. How that the order in the Church of God in 1 Corinthians 11 is the headship of, 
God first, then Christ, then the man, then the woman. And that is set forth in the third verse of 1 Corinthians 11. And then the sign of that headship uh, in the church of God is that the woman have her head covered, a hat or a covering to cover her hair in worship. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now, we have in verse 10, uh, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels, or have a covering or a sign that she is under the power of her husband because of the angels. And we would remember that the angels were witness in the Garden of Eden where Satan came and tempted Eve. Eve did not refer him to Adam, her head, and but made the decision herself, took the forbidden fruit, gave to Adam. Angels were witness of that, the rebellion of man against God's order, the taking up with Satan's order. And they are witnesses too in the church of God. And when they see a woman that is willingly and knowingly and by faith covering her hair, that is in effect saying, I submit to the order of God. I do not subscribe to the way of this world and the rebellion of Satan against God's order, but I have power and I'm able to do this and I do it as a sign that this order of God first, Christ, then the man, then the woman, is the right order. And uh, this is why it is said here, uh, this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. The angels are watching. They are noticing. They see every act of rebellion, they see every act of submission to the will of God and walking in the ways of the Lord. But then the angels, especially used as protectors, I just mentioned several. We think of Daniel cast into the lion's den and when Darius comes in the morning, then he cries and has God been able to deliver him from the power of the lions? And his testimony was that God had sent his angel and had shut the lions' mouths. We have the same with Hezekiah when the Assyrians attacked Judah. And they cried unto the Lord that the Lord would deliver them and the Lord sent his angel and he slew 185,000 of the host of the Assyrians and they were all dead men in the morning. It was through the angels that he protected Hezekiah and Judah. Sometimes we can easily overlook what an amazing thing. All those nations round about Judah, that little tribe in the midst of Canaan, 
they were overtaken by the Assyrian army that swept through that whole nation, the nations of the earth. And they were able to say, Rabshakeh, Sennacherib's general, was able to point out how many other nations and how many other nations' gods weren't able to stand against them. And he made out that Judah was just the same. The Lord made the difference with Judah and it was a wonderful miracle of deliverance at that time. And Judah then survived for another 130 years or so before taken away by Babylon and then, of course, restored after that. But it was through angels that the Lord brought about that deliverance. We have then the case of Peter in the New Testament where James had been killed by Herod's sword and he sought to take Peter, he shut him up in prison and yet that same night when he was to be brought forth the next day, the Lord sent an angel that then loosed Peter and loosed his bonds, directed him to get up and to put his sandals on and then to uh, follow him through the gates and into the city. Interesting, when Peter was knocking at the uh, door of the house where the church was met for prayer, that they could not hardly believe that it was actually Peter. They said, it is his angel. They had some idea of uh, protecting angels, but it was Peter himself. The angel had brought him up out of... Uh, have uh, uh, out of the prison house. But then we have at the very end of the world, if you and I are part of the true church of God, the elect of God, and are alive at the last day, then it shall come to pass, as described in Matthew 24, where we read there, that he shall send his angels at that last great day when there shall be the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then uh, he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. What a, a sight, what a sign that must be the Lord using his angels at that great day of harvest, the end of the world, to gather his elect people. They know where they are. They've been watching over them. They've been ministering to them. There's a minister, uh, a ministering angel that came to Jacob after he left Laban and at Mahanaim. He was a ministering angel that gave the food and drink to Elijah when he fled from Jezebel and went for 40 days into the wilderness. And it shall be these same angels that minister at the end of the world. May we never think that we go through this world and there's none observing us, none watching us. God sees all things. We cannot flee from his presence. But then we have as well this great multitude, this heavenly host, this world that we have little knowledge of. But yet they minister 
to the saints of God, to those that are the heirs of salvation. There's a great encouragement here where we have those helps, where we have the answers to prayer, where we know that we have the Lord appearing for us and through his angels, his spirits not seen, but those helps that are given, each of those helps are tokens that we are heirs of salvation. The Lord watching over, keeping us, his presence with us. May we have a fresh sense of this. I know, I can't remember a time that I've preached or spoken on the angels before. And we read over these passages in Scripture and perhaps don't meditate upon them or think of the significance, the reality for the church of God. In heaven we shall see them. In heaven we shall see the Lord. But here they see us, though we see them not, and they minister to us. Paul says in heaven, then shall we know, even as we are known. And may it then be a very sobering thought, an encouraging thought, that here we have set before us the ministration of angels. Are they not all ministering spirits? Send forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Amen.